Hello, wonderful musicians, and welcome to the Aligned Musician Podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Hankins, and throughout this series, we'll be covering a wide variety of topics all related to musicians' wellness. I'm so excited for what we have planned, and thank you for joining us. Austin Pantsner is a trombonist and personal trainer. He's finishing up a Doctor of Music degree at Indiana University's Jacobs School of Music and is a NASM certified corrective exercise specialist, personal trainer, and precision nutritionist. He's also the CEO and founder of The Functional Musician, an online health and wellness business helping classical musicians holistically perform without pain. On your website, I love this quote, you say that, Through scientifically supported training and nutrition, you can help musicians sustainably create energy, develop body awareness, correct postural imbalances, and build a resilient body, one that is resistant to performance-related injuries. I connected with Austin through Instagram and was so excited to see someone at Indiana University doing this much-needed work. I also was a student at IU on and off, and we actually just found out before this interview that we overlapped our time there and never crossed paths, which is so funny. Um, I also did Austin's Quarantine Wellness Challenge, which was incredible. I really enjoyed all the exercises you incorporated. Anyway, I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks, Kim. It's so, I'm so excited to be here. This is my first podcast I've ever done, and I'm so glad that we got to connect because number one, we did overlap at IU and when we were talking, we were actually in the same orchestra multiple times and we still didn't meet. That's insane. (laughs) (laughs) And when you started doing all of these um, health and wellness things over Instagram, I was just floored and so excited that someone else was doing that too in a different area. And um, I just had to reach out and connect and meet you. So, you know, it's so excited to be here and thank you for having me. Oh, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, it's funny how big IU is. I think like the first time, for those who are listening who don't know how big Indiana University is, um, I once went to a party that was all violists and there were over 85 people there. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Just to give you an idea. (laughs) Seems about right. Yeah. So Austin, uh, what is your own personal story with Musicians Wellness? Sure. Well, uh, I've been at IU for seven years. I just finished coursework and I actually used to be a tenor trombone player. I play bass trombone now and I finished my master's degree and due to all of these ducks lining in a row, I ended up switching to bass and I actually ended up injuring myself. I didn't realize how heavy the bass trombone was. I didn't realize any of the warning signs my body was giving me and only a month into Um, you know, my first semester in my performance certificate, or excuse me, performance diploma, I ended up blowing out my forearm. So (laughs) it sucked. Yeah. And there are a lot of um, ergonomic inventions out there for trombonists. And I tried them all. And I ended up settling with an ergobone. And that is basically for those of you that don't play trombone, it's basically like a bipod for your trombone. So you sit down, (laughs) And it's like this metal rod that has a spring in it. And it allows you to hold up your trombone without actually using effort. So I ended up using that for about six months. And then I was able to take that off and actually hold my trombone up and find some more ergonomic ways to listen to my body and hold up my instrument without pain. But that basically stunted my growth for an entire six months. So as you can imagine, I was very frustrated. And I, was, I just kind of like pushed it to the side. And I was like, well, you know what? I figured it out. I'm all good. 
I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I was in orchestra and jazz band, the top jazz band in orchestra at the time. So that was um, sometimes upwards of five to six hours of rehearsals a day, plus personal practice time, which would be eight, sometimes eight to 10 hours, depending on how motivated um, I was. So I just kept hammering it away. And um, about six months after that, I ended up developing a huge shoulder injury. I mean, I had both of these huge, like, golf ball sized knots underneath my shoulder blades. Mm. So um, as you can imagine, my shoulders were rounded, my head was forward. Um, I wasn't experiencing pain in my forearm, so I considered it a win. However, um, now every time I held up the trombone, my upper back and my upper body was just absolutely destroyed. And um, took me a while to get over that as well too and into my doctorate actually two weeks before my recital one to two weeks before my first doctoral recital I ended up um, somehow injuring something in my back I still haven't figured out what it was but I'm over it but basically um, every time I took a deep breath like that last 10 to 20 percent um, of getting that breath I felt like a stabbing pain um, in my um, chest it was like a stabbing tightness so I couldn't play bass trombone taking a full breath. And if you can't play, you know, a brass instrument with, you know, as relaxed and efficiently as you can without support, uh, everything goes downhill. So that was a very uh, embarrassing recital to say the least, but it was a huge learning experience in the sense that I'm like, okay, like I do need to take care of my body. I do need to figure this out and this isn't going to go away. And if I still want to play trombone for the rest of my life, you know, play in an orchestra or be a soloist or whatever, um, I need to figure this out. So that kind of set me on this journey to kind of figure out what worked for me. Um, wow. Yeah, and, so. Oh, and um, the tenor trombone versus a bass trombone. So that not only I'm imagining it requires like slightly different technique, but also probably more air that you're pushing through the instrument. Yeah, it is a bigger bore size, not by much, um, but it still contributes to the amount of air you push in or not push in, push is a bad word, but okay. <laughs> the, amount, the, amount, yeah, the amount of air you blow into the instrument. And uh, we also have another trigger added. So the tenor trombone has an F attachment, so you can play, it basically turns a trombone into an F trombone in first position. And I have a bass trombone where it allows me to um, play a G trombone in first position and an F trombone. And then if I put them together, I can play an E flat trombone in first position. And that adds about anywhere from two to four pounds, depending on the make and model of your instrument. And for my bass trombone, I play a pretty light instrument now. But back then, I played an instrument that's probably at least three pounds heavier than the one I play now. Oh, wow, um, that's a lot. Yeah, and when you're holding something up, um, with the tenor trombone, it's all the thumb. But with the extra G valve, I actually use my middle finger. So um, if you're using your hand as your primary support mechanism, but you're constantly doing this, you, uh, you sacrifice a lot of stability there and that starts to go up your arm and in your shoulder and then in your neck. So it was a real challenge to try to find a way to make that work without feeling all that tension and pain. And you know, even today, just because of the mechanics of the instrument, like if you continue to do that, even for a length of period of time, depending on how much tension you have in your triggers, that could easily translate to almost tension, you know, in less than 30 seconds, just because of the way the instrument is designed, unfortunately. Right, and having to hold the instrument up with one hand while you're alternating keys between your middle finger and your thumb, right? Right, yeah. So interesting. Um, so, then, so then you started having your injuries and what, um, 
what was something that helped you through that? So you said that you changed your, you kind of changed your setup. You like revisited your, everything that you were doing physically. You tried to take the pressure off of, you know, having to physically hold up the instrument so much while you adjusted to a new technique. Um, but what, were you also pursuing personal training at the time or what kind of physical activities did you do that helped you kind of offset that injury? Sure. Well, actually, the physical in, the physical injury happened for two reasons. Number one, of the trombone and the the um, ignorance of all of those signs that my body gave me. But I was huge into bodybuilding. I wanted to be huge. I wanted to be not Arnold Schwarzenegger huge, but probably like Zac Efron in Baywatch huge, <laughs> um, like in the middle. So, um, you know, I approached working out in a very unhealthy way, in the sense that I wanted to push my body to the limits twenty four seven. I wanted to gain as much muscle mass as possible. Um, and then it was the second injury that, I, that happened where I was like, you know, I don't think this is probably gonna help me play trombone for the rest of my life. And this problem isn't going away. So I need to start like looking at actual solutions um, and see what happens. So I was looking online, I was looking at all the programs available and I didn't wanna go to a, um, a physical therapist. I didn't wanna do a rehabilitation program because um, I didn't want, number one, I was embarrassed. You know, in oh, our, totally. Yeah, in our society, we don't like to talk about injuries. And there are some teachers who actually, um, if you're injured, they want to, number one, accept you into the studio, or number two, they just don't want to deal with you because they don't know how to handle that situation. And that's very, very unfortunate. Not someone is, not someone, not something someone should go through because that's very emotionally demoralizing in so many ways. Oh, totally. And I mean, it's just, it's outdated thinking, you know, I think that mm -hmm. I was just talking to, um, I was just talking to someone the other day about this, but in the sports medicine world, injury was highly stigmatized in, in sports for a very long time. And it wasn't until 20 years ago that people started really addressing the issues that happened in sports medicine as something serious and um, not something to be ashamed of, but something that, oh, this actually is happening to everyone. Let's reevaluate the way that we're actually training our people to be athletic. And I think totally. the same exact thing needs to happen with musicians wellness. It's just kind of, we're just a little behind here. We're still a little afraid of um, admitting when we have a mis or admitting when we're experiencing pain or tension while we're playing, because then it's like, oh, there's something wrong with my technique or I'm doing something wrong, instead of just kind of taking a step back and evaluating all of the different factors that go into musicians' wellness issues. 100%, and I feel like we could talk about this issue for literally hours, because there's so many things in different, um, different sources and areas of pain that um, contribute to this, you know, including the generational gap and, you know, mindsets and not being open to growth and um, all of these old teaching concepts that are maybe on the way out. Well, um, our generation is all about kind of that, that holistic approach and, you know, it shouldn't hurt when you play. But at the same time, it's that constant struggle between those two ideologies that cause a lot of confusion in our performance, in our life, and just learning skills. So, you know, oh, totally. to go back to, yeah. So to go back to your, um, the original question. So I was looking at personal training, uh, just kind of as like a basis to be like, okay, like I need to go back to square one and learn this right. Because obviously 
I have an unhealthy relationship with lifting weights. <laughs> so I did that. And as I started like learning these concepts, I was like, holy crap, this is all so valuable. Um, why isn't someone doing this out with their, with, out there with the musicians? And they are in the sense that there are personal trainers for musicians, but not really in the sense that there are personal trainers who are explaining how these benefit to being a musician, like connecting the dots. Mm-hmm. Like it's one thing to do something, but to connect the dots to make it relevant to our profession, I think is is huge. And um, along that path, I started seeing progress and um, I was like, ooh, this corrective exercise actually sounds a lot like what I wanted. And before I was pursuing personal training, I actually wanted that degree, but unfortunately you have to have the prerequisite of the personal training. So right. um, I just did what I had to do and I got there. And that was definitely one of the most beneficial things I've ever, ever done. And I applied those concepts to me and I started seeing these, you know, just immense amounts of growth just in every area, like my mobility. I could never, like after my injury, I couldn't raise my arm above my shoulder, like at all. I could raise it to like here and then sharp pain, impingement. Oh, it hurts so bad. But now I'm at a point where I can lift my arms above my shoulders and actually do a squat. And it's just, I feel much more in control of my body. Um, So I'm very thankful for that. And uh, I got a little sidetracked. Sorry, I had a little too much coffee today. Um, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically along those lines, I um, I just continued continued acquiring certifications because there are a lot of things that, um, uh, that can apply to being a musician. And I really believe that you can't fix a part unless you fix the whole. And I always felt um, that my whole was just never grounded. It was never it was never, it never had a strong foundation to begin with. So all those injuries happened because I basically ignored uh, my body for so, 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 so long, even though I was active, I was active in the wrong ways, if that makes sense. So I approach weightlifting so much more differently right now. And even like going through the huge pedal pedic or huge, um, impactful teachers that I had in my life, they warned me like, oh, bodybuilding has a very negative um, impact on performance. And I was very stubborn. I was like, no, it doesn't. I'm going to continue to do this. I'm going to be huge. It's going to help me play. And I actually found that they were completely right. So if they're listening to this, I apologize for my stubbornness, but it's kind of who I am. So, (laughs) you know, that's kind of like my story. And um, about two years ago, I started seeing huge results in the sense that I wasn't performing without pain anymore. I mean, the first recital, it was such a huge buzzkill and I actually almost dropped out of school altogether because I was number one, embarrassed, and two, I just, you know, that's four years of hitting a wall. You know, that's such, that's so mentally draining for on anybody. It's like keeping, you know, keeping the failures um, or pushing through the failures as, you know, events for growth and learning Oh my God, words. Um, <laughs> learning opportunities um, was was uh, was key, and I found that because I pushed through, I was able to kind of find what happened. But really, I was going to be a personal trainer. I was going to train at a gym. I was going to drop out of school. I was going to move in with my parents. Um, but I'm glad I didn't, because the love for trombone was still there. It was just masked by four years of mental hurdles, four years of fear four years of um, not seeing results. So um, in that sense, you know, um, to anybody's out there that's listening, you have options now. People are out there doing this thing. You know, the Align Musician and the Am Studio have 
fantastic options for people who absolutely love yoga. It's a great, fantastic community. You know, for me, yoga isn't my thing, but I like strength training and I like mobility. Um, and I look at things from a different perspective in that way, but you know, we all have to find what works for each other. You know, um, everybody's different. And, uh, I just so glad that there's so many advocates out there that are really pushing for this type of thing, for this preventative care, as opposed to rehabilitative care, because I learned very hard that once you get in that injury cycle, it took me four years to completely get out of it. And really, if I don't manage the pain, or if I don't, if I don't do the things needed to manage that, that have managed that, they will come back. So, oh my gosh, yes, yes. And same here. I mean, I, I had my injury was in undergrad, which I'm kind of old. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> let's say it's a long time ago. But uh, when, even now, you know, if I'm um, the most recent injury, probably the flare up that I had was just because I had all these orchestra gigs, opera gigs, and I was driving from one gig to another. I didn't have enough time to eat food, didn't really drink enough water. And then I was tired because I wasn't getting good sleep. So I was drinking coffee, which dehydrated me even more. Oh, man. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, I have to be perfect for this gig so that I get asked back. So I better practice like crazy in every free moment I have. And then you realize like, oh, wait, I didn't eat food today or I didn't drink enough water or like <laughs> listen to my body at all. I just kind of pushed through. And yeah. I think it's so easy to slip into that competitive mindset when we're surrounded completely by other musicians that are also competitive and you know some people it's just really hard to not be stuck in that cycle or get overtaken by you know what we feel has to be done sure yeah um, and that goes along the lines of like this negative um thought process you know you you have doubt you start thinking negatively, you start having frustration, maybe you have some anger and then it keeps going down and down and down. And actually I just made this connection. It sounds like um, when we do approach anything like that, whether it's school or our performance or any type of thing, that's like a type of burnout. That's gonna lead oh, to totally. mental burnout. But what I really hear is like, that's physical burnout. And that's not something I've really thought about or connected the dots towards now. And that's not something really people talk about with physical burnout is totally what I experienced. And given that situation, that doesn't surprise me that your injury flared up because that's just a series of unfortunate events. Right. You know? And, and, you know, we go through enough training in school where it's like, okay, I can, I can handle this. Like I've, I've put in my practice time, like I can handle it. And we ignore all of the little warning signs that come up along the way because our pride or our ego is, more concerned exactly. in that moment. Our ego. It's totally our ego. Yeah, yeah. we don't want to be injured. We're, you know, we're professionals. We've done, put in all this time. That can't happen to me, you know? Yeah, and this was, I mean, that injury flare-up was like a year ago, and then so as somebody that's trying to be an advocate for musicians' wellness, it's like, well, here, I look like a hypocrite if I tell anybody that I'm, you know, experiencing a little bit more um, pain when I'm playing because... I'm supposed to be the one that has this all figured out. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you can have it all figured out, but then not listen to your own advice. <laughs> so. Exactly. Yeah. Walking the walk versus talk the walk. What Talk, walk the walk. You want to walk the walk as opposed yeah. to talk the talk. But it's so easy to, to forget about it because when we feel good, that's when we don't do it. And then that's when things come back. And 
Um, you know, I'm totally there. It's just, you know, once you're injured, it's, you know, it's like this nagging little shadow on your, on your uh, shoulder that will come back and poke you if you're <laughs> not careful. <laughs> no, totally. Um, so, so what made you realize that you wanted to help other musicians as a career? Sure. Well, I mean, that four years of frustration. I mean, I had so many mental burnouts, so many physical burnouts. I mean, I almost quit music altogether. I was so done with it. I hated listening to any type of music. And I just listened to like pop music for like a year. And then I went back to classical music and I was like, oh my God, I just love it. Yes, this is what inspired me in the first place. And that's when I knew my love was there. So um, it wasn't until that I kind of was considering a different career path and kind of figured it out for myself and started getting my practicing hours back. You know, I mean, it started all the way from restarting my practice from I can only play five minutes a day. And then once I got up to an hour and two hours and two and a half hours and even three, I was like, oh my gosh, I figured it out. Like, um, you know, I have to share this with people. I have to, like, I have a duty. And back in 2018, I was um, the orchestra or one of the orchestra manager's assistants. I worked for Tom Ligman. And during that time, so many people um, would miss rehearsals because they got injured even concerts. There was oh, totally. one time, yeah, there was one opera. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was a, it was a pretty long opera. It was probably like four, four hours and 20 minutes with the breaks. And we had um, a double session on Sundays. And so it was Friday, no, it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, double on Sunday. So it's five performances in the course of four days, right? So that's 20 hours of sitting down and playing your instrument in the course of four days. That's an average of five hour, or five hours a day. Um, not even talking about your warming up or your practicing if you're practicing in there. So or they the were just dropping rehearsals before yeah. that, because in addition to everything else you have going on at IU, we had um, we would have rehearsals like Monday through Thursday, like what was it? 730 to 1030. Yeah. Sometimes they would go later and sometimes it would be snowing outside and ice on the grounds and the bus buses stopped coming towards school because it was so late and you had to walk home like <laughs> in the yeah, snow that's, that's after a you scary just, thing well and the and the cold is definitely a factor for tendonitis and overuse injuries i just want to throw that out if people mm -hmm. don't know that that are listening like if you're in a practice room and you're cold and you're shivering do not practice in that room find something else or you know, put on a sweatshirt or yeah, drink, exactly. coffee, drink something warm, try to like get yourself warm because that's one of the, I mean, at least for me, the cold oh, totally, 100%. is a it's huge like, thing. It's like if you're cold, pulling together like a cold rubber band, mm -hmm. it won't go as far as if it was warm and you're also weakening the fibers. So you're not going to be able to practice as long as it's going to affect your endurance and you're just going to leave frustrated. Oh yeah, totally. 100%. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, so they were dropping like flies. Like you're talking, I'm talking like, you know, 10 people just overnight just didn't show up because they were injured. So I'm like, holy crap, like this is totally a thing. People need to be aware and people need to take care of their bodies. And I reached out to some of them and I was like, so like what happened? And turns out it was kind of like the same type of situation that your flare up came from where mm -hmm. they were constantly practicing. They constantly had rehearsals. They weren't really sleeping well. They weren't hydrated. Um, they weren't listening to their body. They weren't warming up or stretching down. So it's like all of these factors just um, culminated into this into this event. And that's, you know, that's an experience that, you know, probably looking back, they probably want back. 
Yeah. You know, I don't remember what musical it was, but I mean, I enjoy every, or not musical, every opera performance. Every opera performance is, you know, fantastic, especially with the IU singers. I mean, oh, it's totally. hard to, yeah, it's hard to beat those voices um, in any other institution in the country. And it's just like, so I remember I did Madame Butterfly and that was a like four and a half hour performance. And like every time I listened to them, we had no rock star cast. I was just so inspired and blown away by their musicality and um, their tone. I just that's when I fell in love with opera was was that one. And I remember we performed that in Indy. But anyway, that's a story for another time. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah, but that's basically how it, it kind of inspired me. And actually, um, Tom Ligman, if you're listening to this, he actually was talking to me one time. And he was like, he suggested the idea. He's like, you know, have you looked into helping musicians prevent injury as like a career? And I'm like, no, I haven't. And he just planted that seed. And little did I know that that seed would sprout three years later into the into the functional musician so you know if you're listening Tom can't thank you enough dude love you Tom I want to shout out to Tom too you're amazing (laughs) fantastic that is so cool and oh my gosh yeah I we could talk for a whole other hour just about um you know the society of music's music world and wanting to succeed and how the institution in general, and I'm not just being like, this is all just IU. <laughs> no, it's every, it's, it's every single um, music school and it's, it's pervasive. But, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think it's just with music either. I think this is also in academia where you're rewarded for your output. You're rewarded for what you're able to accomplish, even if that's at the expes- expense of your own personal health. And as a society, we, um, we encourage that and we reward that. And so it's kind of hard to, uh, take a step back sometimes and, and realize like, oh wait, I'm just getting swept up in this. I do need to listen to my body. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so your NASM CPT, um, do you draw upon any other influences other than, just personal training. I, I myself started doing the NASM training. This nice. Congratulations. I saw that. How's that going? Oh, it's, it's on pause. <laughs> it's yeah, going to keep lot. going. It's a lot of information. It's a lot of, it's a lot of information, but um, NASM is incredible. They are one of the top, um, basically like science-based personal training programs that you can do. Mm-hmm. And everything that they teach is, um, it's from a scientific perspective. So you're learning so much about the body and, and anatomy. And, um, but, but something when I was doing the NASA prep course is that you can actually like as a personal trainer, incorporate any kind of fitness modalities you want. So, um, are there any other sort of like influences that you have when you're, when you're sure? Yeah. So for me, I really, most of my concepts become from um, the National Academy of Sports Medicine. I'm a huge believer in the um, the who, what, when, why, but most importantly, the how. I want to know the science behind it and how it applies and how it works and why we are doing it. So they do a good job of showing enough or uh, showing consistent studies. And um, so, but I also draw a lot of my nutrition stuff from pre- Precision Nutrition. I actually draw all of my stuff from Precision Nutrition, and they're like the National Academy of Sports Medicine in the nutrition world in the sense that they only 
all of their concepts are all scientifically supported as well. And they um, have a huge team of scientists that are constantly doing research all the time and gathering it and making sure that their concepts still hold true. That's amazing. So that's something, yeah, that's something that I just love so much. But in terms of other modalities, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of the ready state. The ready state is where I got all my mobility concepts and recovery concepts. And that was a huge key in me overcoming my injury. Um, now, I don't agree with everything that's in there, of course, but there are a lot of things I pull from that. And then uh, back when I was in my push my body to the limit phase, I was a huge <laughs> athlete X fan. And what I love about athlete X is that he also is, um, he's a physical therapist, but a um, strength coach for athletes and professional um, actors and movie stars and stuff like that. And he loves the how and the why. And he actually explains it in a lot of his videos. So that was a huge step in me kind of connecting the dots because sometimes the National Academy of Sports Medicine just at the baseline level in the CPT can have a really broad statement, but you're like, but I want to know why. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like, that helped me dive into that a little bit. And um, as far as the other modalities go, um, the National Academy of Sports Medicine is so solid with their foundational concepts that um, that makes up 75% of my um, modalities. So I don't really need to venture out. I am constantly learning and grabbing new certifications just to see if that's something I want to add to my knowledge base and uh, the concepts that I teach. But really, it's the um, trifecta of the mobility, NASM, and precision nutrition, and they all kind of go together into one. So that's so cool. Yeah. And I, yeah, if anybody's listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to do something similar, I would highly recommend NASM. They're, they're just so, it's, it's just so extensive. <laughs> yeah, knowledge. And you know that they offer great payment options if you like are on the lookout, like you can pay over the course of 12 months or six months. Uh, they're very flexible into getting your money, but teaching you some great stuff. So, um, so Okay, so you talked a lot about strength and mobility training. So yeah. in a few words, <laughs> I know we don't have a whole lot of time, but sure, yeah. um, why, why are strength and mobility training important for musicians? Sure, well, musicians are so, um, so drawn to Alexander technique and body mapping. And that's, um, I think that's for a lot of reasons. Number one, to reduce tension, reduce stress. And number two, to develop um, body awareness of what their body does. But I often find that a lot of Alexander Technique students still don't have a full understanding of body awareness. And if you, <laughs> and if you look at a lot of Alexander students, they actually have a lot of postural imbalances. And for those of you that are listening, postural imbalances are basically um, uh, certain positions the body likes like to go in that can be detrimental to tension and pain and um, lead to injury if you are in physical activity. So for example, like rounded shoulders or your head's excessively going forward or your lower back is constantly arching. Those are like signs of postural imbalances. And um, the reason why I have like such a strong concept around strength training and mobility, because if you train a muscle, you're basically, or if you're working on a muscle, you're basically breaking it down, right? And it has to rebuild, um, but that can produce some tension. And if you're working out in an unhealthy way, which no one gets it right the first time, um, that can lead to tension and pain as well. So the whole idea is I wanna strengthen the body into alignment um, and also get the body working in a functional way, which is where the mobility comes in. Because the mobility is like a lot like um, 
that's like my Alexander technique part of the program where I um, can help people develop that body awareness. And then once you've done mobility for a long time, you start developing this body awareness and um, can start reducing the tension and pain almost instantaneously, or at least you know what to do. So for example, when I was working on my upper back, um, it took me about 20 minutes to get to a point where um, I was in a good healthy posture and it wasn't limiting my body. Um, and over the course of time, that got down to five minutes. Um, you know, over the course of three months, got down to five minutes. And then now it's at like four or three minutes where if I'm struggling with a lot of back pain when I'm warming up or I'm playing, I can just take a minute or two, um, do my certain stretches and then I'm good to go. And it's pretty consistent. And when I know those exercises don't work, that's when I've been ignoring my body and that's when the tension and pain starts to come back. So that was a little bit more of a complex, long answer that wasn't <laughs> short, so I apologize. But basically, um, I build up the body, but I also teach the body awareness and tension reduction so um, you don't get burnt out by weightlifting kind of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And I think a lot of musicians also feel like um, I've heard this a lot where, oh, I have a knot in my back. I just need to stretch or I just need to get a massage. And I think for a lot of musicians, it's the opposite. It's like, actually, you need to strength train your upper back. You don't need, mm -hmm. you don't need to lengthen those muscles. You need to shorten those muscles. <laughs> right. A hundred percent. If you think about it, if you have a knot, technically it is like a lengthened muscle. Oh, wow. I hadn't even thought of it that way. <laughs> yeah, because you, you got that little bump and then there's inflammation in the tissue. So it's getting bigger. It's getting longer. Mm. Um, I love that you said that. I mean, like if you're stretching as a form of um, pain reduction or tension reduction and you're only doing that, that's just a Band-Aid and you're really masking the problem and it's going to be harder down the road to really figure out what's going on because it's only going to get worse. So that's, you know, that's a huge thing we want to keep in mind. Yeah, and also um mobility isn't the same as flexibility and i think that a lot of people confuse those two words too because they're like oh i can't move my arm over my sh you know my arm over my head or i can't um i don't know what's another flexible thing oh for for me uh string players <laughs> i can't get my elbow to be further forward and my hand, my left hand to be further back. So I'm not oh, flexible interesting. enough. So it's not actually flexibility because um, flexibility is just your ability to move into that space and hold it. Whereas mobility is your ability to actively work those muscle groups and get into that part of your joint and hold it there, which is a completely different thing. Mm -hmm than um, passively stretching it out. Totally, and the mobility works the joints too, which flexibility, um, some exercises do, but most of flexibility just works the muscle. So you're really killing two birds with one stone with the mobility in the sense that you're working on that muscle, but you're also working on your joints, which a lot of musicians ignore. I mean, joint health is huge if we want to perform without pain over the long term. Oh, exactly, yeah. <coughs> um, what else do I want to ask you? Oh, so what are some, what are, <laughs> what are the most common things that you see uh, musicians deal with that you think could easily be prevented? Sure. I mean, oh man, there's so many things. <laughs> there's number, like, okay, um, let's see. I'm going to limit myself to three things. So 
uh, every single one of my clients that I work with that have come to me um, have had pain in their neck, their shoulders, or their upper back, aka rounded shoulders. Now, rounded shoulders, the idea of preventing it is simple, but preventing it doesn't isn't necessarily easy. So um, let's go. That's a little bit more of a complex answer. But um, number two would be just the um, just recognizing the warning signs and not ignoring them. I mean, um, you know, we're on, you can be on two different paths. One is ignorance and one is awareness, right? So if we're um, aware of all of these things that are occurring in my body, like for me, I was aware I was getting tension in my forearm. I was aware of this sharp tingling pain. I even had some electric pains. And because I was ignorant about it, I started moving towards this lane and this lane leads to injury and this lane leads to sustainability. So just the awareness of being like, oh, what's happening with my body and truly being honest with yourself um, is half the battle. Because if you aren't aware, you're not gonna implement any change. And if you're not implementing any change, you're going down the path of injury, unless you're one of the lucky ones with really, really great genes, um, like those people who end up smoking until they're like 96. So um, just being aware is so, is so, is so critical. And then um, number three is responding to the awareness. So if you have a lot of, um, if you're experiencing a lot of tension and pain in your neck, we can either let it sit or we can research, do something about it or reach out to people who know a little bit more about that situation. And that goes along with the growth mindset idea that um, we're constantly looking to improve ourselves and our situation to help us achieve our dreams as opposed to sitting in your own situation, letting it manifest, letting it negatively affect your life and not wanting to change or not wanting to get out of that situation. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. And I love how you worded that, how it's, you know, it's so easy for us to become complacent, even when we're experiencing pain, because we don't know how to, how to change or what to do differently. And yeah. it's really easy to just kind of feel upset or depressed about it or be like, well, maybe I'll just wake up one morning and it will go away. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. Right. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Um, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know? Sure. Um... Ah, I just want to let everybody know that if they do have an injury, there's so many resources available now and people really doing great things. A lot of people are on Instagram, some are on Facebook. You know, you can reach out to them. They are more than happy to help. They are more than happy to listen to your situation. Um, if you need to get in contact with me, um, the functional underscore, wait, the underscore functional underscore musician on Instagram. And feel free to just shoot me a message. That's where I spend most of my time. I do have a website. That, um, that is up and running, but most of my communication occurs through Instagram. So feel free to reach out. I would love to connect and hear about your situation. Also check out Yam Studio because they're doing some great things and they're building quite the community. I'm, I'm very impressed and excited to see where they're going to go. And um, Kimberly, it's been an awesome talk. I really wish we could talk longer. You're a great person to talk to. So thank you for having me on the podcast. It's been um, I can't believe it's been like an hour already. Like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for being here. It's crazy that I, I am always just amazed by how uh, how many people I run into to from IU that we just never cross paths. I yeah. really had. <laughs> three semester, two or three semesters in orchestra and we didn't even, oh know, my goodness, right? it's amazing. <laughs> well, but you in know, the, the future, music world is very small, so. It is very small and um, with IU with 1600 students, like, you know, it happens all the time, so. So I'll put I'll, all of your info for people to get in touch with you if you're listening to this, all the info is in the show notes. And um, 
I think I think that's a wrap. So awesome. <laughs> thank you all so much for listening, for joining us today. Um, if you want to help keep this podcast going, please give us a review. Uh, I really appreciate it. You can also get in touch with me at The Aligned Musician on Instagram. And of course, reach out to Austin. He's an incredible resource. And hope you all have a great rest of your day. Take care.